Welcome to Nana Tings. For anyone that's listening to this episode, if you ever feel like you need help or need to talk to someone about a mental health crisis, I will be listing different numbers and different prevention organizations in the bio of this episode. So please do not feel afraid to call someone if you need help. And of course, if it is an emergency or something extreme, please call 911. Hola chicos and chicas and everyone in between. Today I'm joined by my friend Christopher. We met during Fashion Week way back when. And we go over through some topics such as trauma and also fuckboys and their shit. So before we get into some things, I gotta play some ads. While I play some ads, grab your champagne, wine, water, tea, blunt, whatever the fuck you want and enjoy the ride. Hey everyone, I just want to say I have three books out right now and I appreciate the support from all of you, from everyone that got my first book, Falling Androids in Phoenix, to my second, Romance in a Mono Road, and my current third, Baby, Antonio's Return. Check it out at Barnes & Noble and also Amazon. You can easily just search my name, Antonio Laranzo, L-I-R-A-N-Z-O, and go get a copy, review it, love it, share it, and all the things. Okay? It's Antonio here at Nana Tings, and I have a special guest, someone that I met Fashion Week way, way back when, Christopher. He is a fashion editor, stylist, and brand consultant. What up, baby? Hey, baby. How are you doing? Good, good. You like how I give you all those slashes, all the tings? (laughs) I have grown to wear many, many hats over the past years. Um, No one needs to know how old I am. Yeah, yeah. well, listen, you look young. You have good skin, girl. Thanks, <laughs> um, I met you. Oh my god, I'm about to, about to age myself. I think it was at the artistics art gallery party, yes. But that was, and like... I only remember because it was around the corner from that empanada place that we all went to afterwards. Is this where the guy proposed? Because <laughs> there... I okay, that I cannot confirm because I can't remember. <laughs> I've been to two artistics party and I definitely remember meeting you at one, but there was one in that like Italian restaurant kind of thing where no, this was not. I was okay. I don't think I was at that party. I think it was the second one or the first. I can't remember which one came first, but I remember that like, one I went to. I think that one I met you at was like probably like one of their very, very first parties. Of- okay, yeah. So I met you at the first. Yeah, because it was very early on with the brand. Oh, what was this? They were still using that like art gallery space that was on um, that was like a close, like in or close to Chinatown or like LES or something. It was just very downtown. Yeah. Was this 2016, 2015, 2014? It would have not have been. You know what? I'm going to say it was 2016 because I think I was done right. with graduate school. Okay, yeah. Um, but so I remember the one I went to with Christine, um, we were talking about how we hate men, right? I just just got through a breakup. And of course, as I'm saying this, all you hear is like a pop of champagne and the guy just proposes to this woman. And I'm like, fuck love! <laughs> it was just like, the guy was like, I can't, I can't. Yeah, that's like when you break up with somebody and then you know, there's always those periodic times of the year on like Facebook yes. where you just see the like waterfall feed of engagements. Oh my gosh. And it's always like at the time where you're like, 
over people or like you just got broken up with or some random ass shit yeah it was just one of those hallmark moments in a movie where i'm like <laughs> and then that just adds more fuel to my fire um but tell the listeners a little bit about yourself because you do do a lot and i met you when i was just blogging a little bit and i started modeling but you take on a lot in the fashion world so let us know which what do you do boo so um, I moved to New York the morning after I graduated um, undergrad college. Um, yes. From I went to Oberlin College in Ohio, and then I moved to New York City morning right after graduation. And I told myself I was just going to make this whole fashion thing happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started off writing for this blog called All My Friends Are Models. And then it just became a domo- domino effect from there with them just the rise of my career and writing for more publications and becoming a real serious editor. And then um, four years ago, I started um, styling as well. I'm doing fashion editorials. Um, and then recently, as of this year, I also started brand consulting for emerging brands. You do do Yeah, so I do creative directing consulting as well. So creative advisor, uh, fashion writer, editor, uh, stylist editorial red carpet whatever etc etc so yeah i you name it as you name anything a fashion editor styles is that i've probably done it no that's how i've always known you i have known you as you know we have very similar uh work ethic and and hustling so i give you a lot of credit for that because the fashion industry for if anyone that doesn't know that's listening right now it is it's it really is what you see in movies it is cutthroat and it's also very tiring. Like even fashion week, like going to a party may sound like, oh my gosh, I'm oh God. tired. Like, no, you have to network, right? So like sometimes these one, two in the morning nights are you getting your foot in the door with something, right? Mm-hmm. And girl, yeah, you do a lot. And you go to, I mean, you've been going to some dope ass shows. So I'm proud of you. Um, but I would be exhausted. I did less <laughs> shows this season than I have in years. And I was still exhausted. It's a lot. But I guess because it also was too, it's all like, I wasn't used to leaving the house. Yeah. So there was that whole readjustment once, like once fashion became, it was, it just became a domino effect with the fashion events after that. And like, it's just been nonstop since well, I remember like September. 2016 and 2017, it was like you and I were like living Adderall. Like we were, we literally were the pill, if you think about it. Like, mind you, we didn't take anything, but we were stronger than Adderall the way you and I were cracked out going to these shows. I like look back, back in the day, like, like I would go to like, oh my God, probably like 80 shows a season. I and like 10 parties. How did we do and it? And still go home and like write up all my reviews. And how did we Somehow do it? like did it all over again. And this was when Fashion Week was longer too. So I'd be doing this like seven, eight days in a row. We're going to open bars and we're wasted till four in the morning. And then like- By the time, every season, back then though, every season by the time it was over, I would sleep for like 11 hours. Oh, I would get sick. I would have like, I would call it the Fashion Week cold. But I was talking to Christine about a month ago about this. And we were like, how the fuck did we all do it? Like- That's how I feel now too. And it's all like- I, well, A, I was a younger man back then. Same, same, yeah. B, back then I was also used to leaving the house all the time. That I We spent a year and a half just inside. Yeah, that adrenaline was psychotic. I remember seeing you at like eight shows a day sometimes and being like, Christopher, where are we going now? And it's like, we, we would go to like two parties and a night. And like, I, I mean, great memories. I honestly had 
the best some of the best moments were with, like with you with Jeff with Christine like y'all were like my fashion week crew and my fashion week family so I knew those 12 days I would always spend with y'all you know eating running around mm-hmm. getting photos taken so honestly they're precious memories but I look back and I'm like the way I am now that energy girl it ain't there <laughs> like we were much younger men then, honey. Much. Honestly, seriously, like literally much. Now I'm like, oh, I'm in bed by 10. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, let's uh let's dive right into the topic because you're you've been someone that always like complimented me on my vulnerability and always shared a lot of your story with me via DM. So I'm really happy that you're on this pl- different platform of mine to actually talk about some things. So what I really want to discuss, and I think you and I are gonna have a great conversation about this, is childhood trauma and how it affects our right dynamic with men whether it's platonic or in a relationship and the relationship could be anything right friendship dating all that so I'm just going to ask you a question what everyone's trauma is different right it looks different it it, you know it forms differently what is your uh childhood trauma um specifically in relation to men um my mother's had several marriages uh two of which I was alive for and then she was never actually married to my father but um so throughout the course of my life um she had my father and then oh actually three people she was married to after that but what I was much too young to remember um and I realized is that actually this was actually a very recent realization um I had this habit for probably since the day I came out the closet, which was 14. I came out very young. Oh, wow. Um, That's amazing. Projecting my mother's failed relationships onto myself. Ooh, yeah. Which led to, A, a lot of self-sabotaging when it came to things. Me constantly overthinking how things are going to fail or what could go wrong and creating these very unhealthy scenarios in my head. And C, being drawn to men whose bare basement qualifications for me being willing to deal with them, whether it was a friendship or a romantic interest was, okay, I'd like you to do things for me and give me attention because I never had a man around to do that properly. Completely negating any of their other negative personality traits whatsoever. Yep. They could be completely horrible people, but if they did these bare minimum two things, I was fine tolerating their existence. It's such bullshit, but I, girl, same, same, same um what so from your experiences and and the trauma like what have you I know it's recent this realization have you done any like self-work or what what sort of like clicked you know like what was that switch to be like oh fuck this is like what I've been doing in relationships so this summer actually before I I spent most of my summer in Los Angeles and before I left I actually had a very serious conversation with a friend of mine who used to be a therapist that Mm. helped give me affirmation exercises because we came to several conclusions and one of them was because I was projecting my mother's failed relationships onto myself I was having trouble believing that I myself also deserved love. That's oh that imposter syndrome of love is such a bitch, Christopher. You are not alone. But yeah. <laughs> such a bitch. I still have it. Okay. I'm working on that myself. But yeah. So one of the exercises she gave me to do was um in the morning in the mirror, uh the, the exercise goes and I'm worthy of love. I deserve love. And the way men have failed my mother is not my fault. 
<laughs> facts. The, and the reason why I scream is, wow, I, we actually have more in common than I thought. Um, a quick side story. I, I want to more focus more on you, but um, same thing. Like my mom, I grew up with a single mother. Uh, same. A father. Mostly single I, when she wasn't married for but then, however a hot second that lasted. Literally, but then my mom would project a lot of her stress being a single mother on me. So I sort of took on the fixer role, the savior role. So mm. I would attract damage guys thinking that same thing like you said, would, there would be red flags everywhere. But if they gave me the attention and I knew that I could quote unquote save them, which by the way, you can't save anyone, you could only help. I would get in these toxic relationships, but then I would always have this like weird thing if I looked in the mirror and be like, oh my God, he really likes me. And then it's like that self-sabotage comes, right? When you're like, you know how like there's those memes where it's like, oh, when there's a good guy and you like back away and you self-sabotage. Oh, when it's a bad guy, you're jumping in the fire for them. Uh -huh. I don't know why it's a thing. It's all for a lot of us actually, because these memes are popular with a lot of people's accounts and people talk about this. Why do we all feel like we are not worthy of love? And it all stems from childhood. It, whether it is a single parent, abusive household, you know, being the middle child, being bullied, like there, there's something that will fuck up your psyche. And I'm really working on that because like I am seeing someone currently and um, I don't know where, what direction is going to go and it just feels nice. But I, there's moments I sit in my bed and I'm like, do I deserve this? And then it could turn into me like being a bitch to him or, or you know, trying to play games. And I'm, I'm really self-aware now where I'm like, do not do what you did to your exes. Do not fall in a trap of a game and project but it's hard. It, it, it's brutal out here. <laughs> so hard. Yeah. The affirmations, I'm going to try. So you just do this daily. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just once a day, do it when you wake up or before you go to bed or something, but you, you know, and undoing that trauma is always a constant thing in progress. Yeah. And I'm on that earlier thing you said about being attracted to damaged people um, for intellectuals, especially too. Because yes. we're used to challenges, anytime something looks easy, we don't want it. We don't want it. Oh my gosh, yes. Like, I've had, like, nice guys approach me and tell me they're interested in me. But if I'm just all, like, if a man starts looking like they're too easy for me to acquire, I'm just like, mm, I'm bored. Go away. Yeah. Oh, you just brought up another great topic. So people that are damaged in childhood, right? There's internalizers or externalizers. You and I are internalizers because we'll take things and analytically analyze it, but also grow from it and learn like the bigger meaning behind it. So with that being mm -hmm. said, we are attracted to more externalizers where they're so damaged because we could like not be bored and be deeper, but then it gets into a trauma. I'll look a project. <laughs> yes. But then it, it becomes trauma bonding and it's, uh, and like, you're so right, being intellectual or being highly sensitive, like me as an empath, I'm, you know, I get these like toxic guys who are like, oh, he's open, he's cool, he has great energy. And then my fixer side's like, okay, not only can I take your energy, I'm going to fix you. And then it's just like an explosion. Um, I don't like it. <laughs> the other thing with me is because I had that damage. I was like very used to not being at all vulnerable with people in the slightest. Like... I remember toward like my senior year of high school, I, and maybe I was like a junior, but like my junior, senior year of high school, some of my friends that had known me since like beginning of freshman year, which is all like, you know, all these years we've been in school together, I've never actually seen you use like a real emotion ever. <laughs> Cause I was so used to just like, emotional vulnerability was not a thing I displayed. Was that to protect yourself or? Yeah, it was, but subconsciously so. 
And then I also realized that this was a more recent realization too. Although one of my, my like best friend in college did call me out on this when we were in college together, which was a while ago, but at the time I heard her, but I didn't listen to her. I have this habit of the second I see a man, I can be, I, a man shows me I can be emotional vulnerable with him. It's like just full speed ahead with the emotional investment. Ah. <laughs> no breaks on whatsoever, like risking the emotional damage of however this could go, which may be a real South real fast. Yeah, you know, I see this a lot in the gay community, right? Where it, we go manic speed, girl. We, man, listen, I, you could ask my exes. I definitely have done it several times. I'm, I'm talking about like <laughs> my last relationship. I literally asked him my boyfriend on like week five, week six. And then we went to spending like five days a week together, but then it blew up. It ended badly. And yeah, I had that problem too, just a year ago. So I'm, you know, talking to you right now, I'm having, I'm learning a lot about both of us. Like we actually have a lot in common. Um, but yeah, I've worked on that though. So that's nice with this new relationship that I'm in. I'm it's very slow at my own space. I'm not trying to take on a project. I'm like, it's hard though, because it is all habitual, right? For you and I, a lot of it is stems from when we were kids. So we're, we're both in the process of unwiring mm -hmm. and unconditioning, right? But that's going to fucking take time. Like you said it earlier, like that, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a journey for both of us. I think it's going to be a lot of revelations, a lot of epiphanies, a lot of fuck ups, you know? Um, but I'm at least we're on the road. I'll give us that, okay? Because there's some manic gays out there that are not on the road, so. <laughs> yeah, it's all, the first, it's, I think, I forget where it's, I, some school, whatever school psychology it says from where they say, um, the first step to solving a problem is admitting you have one. Yeah, yeah, you know, it really is. It's this kind of conversation you and I are having right now. This is a part of the therapy process. It's, you know, talking, being vulnerable, all about it. I am, um, so wait, I'm interested about, how about platonic friends? Have you, is it something similar where like you would take on toxic friends and then you realize that they were just like not your vibe? With platonic friends, it's different. And um, the aspect of trauma that stems from is because my father was not present. I watched my mother have these divorces. Yeah. It caused me abandonment issues. So in return, like I have very, specifically with my male friends, because this is not an issue with my female friends, I have very awful separation anxiety issues. Same. Now I have it with my cats, but I used to have it with my <laughs> <laughs> Um. So wait, so the separation anxiety, do you, is it a kind where like you go out with them on a Friday and then it's like Saturday, you want to see them again or like you just like miss them right away or is it like a, it, it's from the abandonment and it's just like the need basis of being near someone? For me, it's more like, first of all, it depends on like the level of friendship I have with the person. If it's someone I'm very close with, like it gets very emotionally crippling for me to be apart from them for too long in like a way that is not healthy. I've had moments like that. I've have, I have a problem where like, if I, if I get infatuated really quick. So if someone's energy pleases me and we vibe, oh my gosh, the first month I'm like that. Like I literally have, I have separation anxiety. And, but then on week five or six, once I like talk to myself, then it's just a nice friendship. 
But back then it used to be really explosive when I was like 2021, 20, because, you know, you're a young gay, you're going out in the city, this and that, and then you're meeting all these people and then you're getting over-infatuated and it just blows up. It becomes really manic. Um, but yeah, I had to work on that and now I'm in a really good place. So how about you? Is this a, a new revelation also, or is this something very that- new revelation? Yeah. Do you, I, okay. So I'll give you advice for me. It's like, I mean, listen, you have a heart. So mm-hmm. you're allowed to miss someone and you're allowed to love, like you, you are a good person. So like, I feel like you being sensitive towards your friends, that's a great friend. Right. Um, I just tell myself like, listen, they're doing their own thing. They're having their life. You can have your life. You'll see them in like four or five days. And just those like little quick sentences to yourself really help. Cause like, don't get me wrong. Like I, I saw my infatuation issues. Like if I meet someone new, I'm like, Oh my, you know, it's an overwhelming emotion. And I think mine sounds similar from yours, like yours. Um, I grew up without a dad and then having a single mom, her always being busy and working, me helping raise my brother. It just, it's always been like, I wanted that, I wanted that team player, you know, I wanted someone on my side or, or, and then, you know, being gay and being bullied, like that doesn't help either. Um, yeah, that you brought up a really good point about the separation, like anxiety thing. I didn't realize I had that with friends too, that I first get infatuated with. Now it's just my cats, which we're, that's fine. Literally Onyx is sleeping next to me right now, my baby. Oh. I know, I was like, I'm going to get a backpack and just bring her everywhere. Um. <laughs> I think we, another thing I realized is like, I had a lot of trouble making male friends until I was older because I did Same. not relate to most of the men around me. It's hard, you know, and you know, you came out at 14, which is amazing. I wish I did. I came out at 20, but um, that's, yeah. Yeah, making especially straight guy friends it there's just i girl i'm with you on that one too okay <laughs> like i even gay friends so you know as i get older you know me you know i host at parties i'm social mm-hmm. but to count like a really close gay group that i could call about my problems or stuff i can only count on my hand like and one hand not two hands so yeah i don't know i just feel like our community is so um this could be a different conversation, but we're gonna just bring it up for a few minutes. It's very like hypersexual where you see in media. It's like very like white twink or like jock gay that mm-hmm. seems kind of like this 20 person clique and then Fire Island houses and all these different things. But like they all bond and just like drinking and drugs or if they don't do that, then they just bond and just going out and doing circuit parties or they're kind of like sex fetish or whatever it is. And I'm not trying to like judge anyone's jelly, but it just, it's not me, right? And I just came out recently as demisexual because- I've always been like that, but I've forced myself in threesomes and foursomes and I've tried to do all these different things. No, I'm very vanilla. I want a man. I want to sleep. I want to be monogamous and I want good cuddles and sex. And there's no problem with that. But our community, I think I forced myself to do things that sort of damaged who I was. And it also was hard making friends though. I feel like when you own your truth and you know you don't fuck with that truth, you gotta you know what I mean you gotta find it yeah that's where I'm at right now too actually I am I very much enjoy casual sex but at the same time I'm also a hopeless romantic which is fine listen I'm not judging anyone's hope like you know one night stands like I love vacation bays because like the thing about Mm -hmm. being demisexual is like I'm not as on the far spectrum where it's like I have to have to love you to fuck you I just need to have like a trust, like a good energy and like a conversation. Before Some I type start. of connection. Yeah. So like if I go to Italy, like, and I meet a guy the first night, we'll talk for eight, nine hours and go out and then I don't mind sleeping with him, you know, but like, 
I can't just like show up to a grinder house or like, you know, those like circuit parties where we just like drugged out and you even remember their face or name and you just like fuck just because you're high. Ah, not, not for me. Uh, but I feel like, yeah, you know who you are. And I, I feel like we gotta, in our community, it's like, you have the real ones like us that are intellectuals, that are highly sensitive people. And then you have others that are more um, surface level. And it's really hard to make friends because the people that go out, majority of them are surface level. And I don't know. Yeah, you know I mean? see. Like, Even like when I go out, like I'm like with my actual friends, like I can look around and just like, you can just see the sea of surface level friendship. It's so bad though. It's like 85% of the club. And I'm just like, do y'all even actually like each other? The, you know what's so funny? I've talked about this on a few episodes now and like, I'm not trying to be controversial, but no, they don't. Do you know how many times I'm hosting and people are coming up to me drunk and they're talking shit about the person they're with or they're jealous that they're not fucking them or there's just like fight. And I'm over here like, yo, what is happening on Instagram? Y'all are buddy, buddy. But then when y'all are drunk, it's toxic as fuck. And I don't know. I just want to be a part of it. And I tried for a while and I had this click for a bit. And then once I started owning my truth, I started cutting off a lot of friends last year because sort of going back to what we were saying about like saving or, you know, taking on damaged people. I had a lot of toxic friends for that reason. I was taking on people that I thought I could fix or that were cool gay. And then I was like, bitch, I'm a cool gay and I don't got to do what you got to do. Like I'm my own brand. That's it. <laughs> She's an it girl. Oh, yeah. Like I've been in similar situations where we'll be like the catty gay sometimes, and then at the, at the end of it, I'm just always all like, my life is very glamorous. I don't need to be here if I don't have to. Yo, that's how I feel now, and it's not, not even like a cocky flex. It's just reality. Like, girl, I know your life. Like. I can attest to that. You slay and you we both have been at like VIP parties with celebrities. Like I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not stressing. Yeah, it's like I, I'm not stressing, like, I don't know, someone hosting it somewhere and like Yeah. They, and you know, no, you're right. Like it, three years ago, I used to, right? I would be like, oh, I have to go to this gay party or be this cool gay. But now where I'm at a 30, I'm like, dude, the things that I've done are still twice as better than a lot of people. And Right now, I'm doing really good shit for myself, being in movies and commercials and shit. I'm like, I don't need to be, I don't need to partake in this negative realm, you know? We're both mm-hmm. lost ass bitches, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do me. And if that means having three friends, I'm fine. Quality over quantity. And you know, that's something I learned too with, when it comes to dick also. <laughs> Sometimes I think I still need that lesson. <laughs> you want good dick. You can't just have the quantity. It has to be like good ass penis or ass, obviously. But yeah, dick out. When I say dick, I reference both both body parts. <laughs> I mean, versatility is the new black. I was going to say it's 2021. If you're not versed, get out of my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, though, right? I'm like... It, marriage dating whatever the fuck it is like don't you want to space up sex a little bit like we should be flipping and flopping honey i've recently started exploring my more verse side actually and it's been kind of fun isn't it great yeah i so i okay we're gonna get a little tmi but we're we're here at this conversation at this point now um so i, I mainly topped for a while right but girl we all know i got a nice ass I got thighs. I love. We shopping. all see your booty, Tony. Yeah, I love it. That thing deserves its own zip code. 
Yo, your Al's comments, by the way, are always great. Like, for anyone listening, Christopher sends me a, the best story uh, reactions to my ass. Listen, <laughs> if you ain't hyping up your friends, what's the point of you? I, I truly, you do motivate me. Like, when I get these affirmations, it helps me, to be honest. Especially on a bad day, you know? Uh, but no, I was like, you know what? Let me, like, I started experimenting with Potomac, I think, three, three years ago more. And then ever since then, I've been versed, and it's, Obviously, you have to be in the mood to verse, right? Like, sometimes you do prefer more than the other. But, <laughs> but when you're doing verse and you're doing a good job, girl, you it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I uh, get a little sexual here. <laughs> I'm like, of course, I'll get to you. I'm going to start talking. I about mean, we're on an LGBT podcast. Like, very true. It's very, very true. Um, if you're not kiki with your sisters about sex, like, you might as well go be, I don't know, boring evangelical housewife. This is what happens when you have a friend on a podcast because every time I have a friend on my podcast, it turns into everything, which I love. I It's called Donna Teams for a reason. It's all teams. Um, but yeah, wait. So while, while we wrap up, I want to ask you then. So for anyone, okay, if someone were listening and they needed advice about um, like self-sabotage moments with friends or dating, what would be your advice of how to either get over it or, you know, work work on these demons and not project? First, you need to realize you have a problem. And when your close friends start calling you out on your toxic personality traits, don't get defensive, listen. Yeah. Because they're not saying it to hurt you. Because if I had listened to some of my friends, like a decade ago about some of these behaviors I had, I would be a lot further along in my personal development right now. Yeah. You're right. I mean, fair. You know, sometimes it is hard, right, to see the signs, but you're right. Friends? But we don't want to accept, like, the not-so-pleasant truths about ourselves is the other thing. You're totally right. Friends friends do see shit. You know, they... Like, I, I know uh, being a friend, right? Like, I could see when my friends are either in a bad relationship or, you know, they're self-sabotaging or whatever it is. Like, you, a friend sees it. Like, it, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you know, sometimes with a friend, you're around that friend more than their family members. So you're, you're getting yeah. even more. Um, so for me, it's like, you're right. I think it really is listening to those signs. Um, and you're right. And, and being aware, being aware of this and, and try not to project absolutely but um, I'm so happy. Like you're- since I left for college at 18 and never lived home again, mm-hmm. so like it was like to the point where my family, at this point, my family would be like once a year at the holidays, maybe twice if I take a second trip home for the year. But so, you know, a lot of like my personality traits I came into, whether good or bad, as I got older, they were just not around to observe. So that's where your friends got to come and be the ones to be like, look, have you stopped to analyze X, Y, Z about yourself? Because they're going to see things way before any of my family does. Correct. You came correct. <laughs> but um, it was honestly great having you. This is a nice, easy and informational conversation and informative, I should say. Um, but thank you for being honest so much, Christopher. You are amazing and i'm really happy that you're uh starting to revelations and work on yourself and I, I think you really gave good advice on this podcast so hopefully people listening they could you know take home something but um i shall see you later boo thanks antonio bye bye talk to you later on nana tings
Thank you.